Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D-Blex Lesalon. As we celebrate World Orangutans Day today, I'm super excited to be speaking with Leif Cox. Leif is the founder of Wildlife Conservation International, which incorporates the Orangutan Project, International Elephant Project, International Tiger Project, and Forest for People. Established in 1998, Wildlife Conservation International has raised over $26 million for conservation projects across Southeast Asia. Beginning his career as a zookeeper, curator, and small population biologist, Leif is highly regarded as a world-renowned expert on orangutans. He is the author of a number of books, including Finding Our Humanity and Orangutans, My Cousins, My Friends. In 2019, Leif was awarded the Order of Australia Medal from the Australian Government for his dedication to species conservation. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something. Karibu, karibu sana. A very good morning uh, to you, Leif Cox. Uh, thank you so much for joining us once more uh, on the podcast this morning straight from Australia. Karibu sana to the show. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back. <laughs> okay, Leif, could you briefly tell us uh, where your story uh, with uh, orangutans began? Mm-hmm. I was working with 15 orangutans and discovered not only that they were beautiful beings, but they were self-aware persons, the same as human beings, but just not of our species. And Unfortunately, quickly I discovered that they've been driven to extinction in the most horrific ways that we can imagine. And that started my lifelong journey to work for the welfare and ultimately the conservation of the orangutan species. Thank you for that, Leif. And um, you started with 15 species. And uh, could, you, could you tell us roughly how, they, how many um, there are right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I was working with 15 individual orangutans. Um, but now we've discovered actually there's actually three species of orangutans and there's more difference between these species of orangutans and our chimpanzees bonobos, which we all recognize are very, very different to each other. And, and so it's not, although we talk about orangutans in general, we have to understand their conservation has to be um, tapered to the fact that we actually have three subspecies and for example, the Bornean orangutan has three or more subspecies. So we have the Bornean orangutan, the Sumatran orangutan, and discovered in the 21st century, we actually discovered the whole new species of great ape, the Tapanuli orangutan. Unfortunately, they're all critically endangered, which is the category just before extinction. So without concerted and immediate effort to save all three species, the population will eventually spiral to extinction. Thank you for that. And I'm glad you've mentioned briefly about the threats, which we will delve into in, in, in a moment. Uh, but Leif, what makes these great apes very special uh, animals? Mm-hmm. One of the things I most love about them, and I call them actually a more noble form of humanity. Us, like our close cousin, the chimpanzees, are capable of so much empathy and love and connection with others. Unfortunately, we're also capable of so much horror, hate, and viciousness towards each other. And what we just don't see that in orangutans. Um, they don't seem to have that negative side that we see in ourselves as, as human beings and chimpanzees. And the parallel, the, the metaphor I give to explain this to people is although 
Over time, we killed over a million orangutans in the most horrific way that we can imagine. And at least 100,000 have been killed on the island of Borneo in the last 20 years. Um, and orangutans can be five to seven times stronger than humans, and canines the same size of a tiger. There was not one recorded case in all of history of an orangutan killing a human being in a zoo, sanctuary, or in the wild. So they're not only self-aware, sentient persons such as we are, in many ways they're, they're, they're a form of personhood or humanity that we should actually admire rather than destroy. Great. Uh, thank you for that, Lee. For someone listening to you right now and they don't know about this species, they've never interacted with it, never seen it, uh, could you uh, give us an insight into, you know, the species, what it feeds on, where it lives, mm -hmm. uh, the gestation period, the, the family relationships that they, they live in? Could you briefly help mm -hmm. us understand more about it? Yeah. Well, the first thing to understand about them um, they're the most intelligent being that shares our planet. So there's us and then orangutans, and, and which makes them, you know, very, very smart. And being very, very smart, most animals such as us, chimpanzees and orangutans, smarter animals, adapt to the environment, not necessarily by natural selection alone anymore, but through culture. And in order to adapt to the environment through culture, you have babies born with vacant brains, not just programmed with instinct. And you have long maternal periods to train that baby, the unique culture, which allows that baby to adapt to the ever-changing environment. So this is why, for no surprise, orangutans are the most slowest reproducing species in the world. For example, the smartest species has their first baby at 15, and there's nine years between individual infants. Wow. Now, this makes them unique, beautiful, and, you know, and the culture adaptation is, you know, it's just mind-blowing how, you know, they learn and teach from food, medicine, um, you know, climbing, nest building, infant um, rearing. There's all this cultural learning, which makes them magnificent. But unfortunately, being the slowest reproducing species in the world, it does now, now the super predator has been introduced to humans they've become extremely vulnerable to extinction. Um, and, and so, and also the other aspect which makes them extremely vulnerable to extinction is in the rainforest, they can't live in large groups because the rainforest in, in Sumatra and Borneo, it's relatively poor in fruit production as compared okay. to perhaps other areas. So they live very spaced out. So you need a lot of area to maintain a viable population of orangutans, which unfortunately means we've only got the next decade to turn the situation around because after that, yes, there may be rainforest, but rainforest may be too small and fragmented to survive. Yes, there may be orangutans, but those populations will be too small to survive and both the orangutans and the rainforest home will eventually collapse in future years. Thank you for that, Leif, and I'm, I'm happy you've mentioned about uh, that they need a, a, a large area really to reproduce and to breed and to to, to ensure that these ecosystems are protected for, for their well-being. And um, it's not only orangutans really, but we are also fighting a war of space here in Africa. And uh, we have seen a lot of the pro prolification of the human footprint and people taking up uh, former wildlife ranges, Leif. And, 
according to your experience, what are some of the biggest threats facing orangutans today? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the major threat is large multinationals taking over the land, destroying the rainforest, and replacing it by, for example, understandable industries such as coal mining or unsustainable monocultures such as palm oil or pulp paper. And this means not only they're deriving climate change, destroying the environmental services which supports the economy of Indonesia and Malaysia, um, they're also displacing orangutans, the tigers, the elephants, and also in the indigenous communities whose rights to the land is also not recognized. And so it's not about wildlife versus people or the environment versus the economy. It's about rich multinationals destroying the environment, which is supporting all life on earth, you know, and more specifically um, human animal life in these rainforests for short term profit. Thank you for that, Leif. And um... You're, you're, you're known uh, for this amazing project, the Orangutan project, which you help uh, to, to found. And um, could you walk us through some of the programs um, that you help run at the Orangutan project and um, their impact uh, so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is uh, the Orangutan project was always going to be an umbrella species that was going to take the rainforest, all the other biodiversity of animals for free ride, essentially under the conservation umbrella of orangutans. However, yeah. we found that there was actually three species falling outside of the umbrella of our conservation. Elephants, where elephants and people killing each other in human elephant conflict, trying to survive the remaining rainforest. Um, tigers, where criminal syndicates were coming in and poaching them for the Chinese medicine trade. And then the indigenous communities, which were also losing their land, and their sustainable forms of... Um, survival, including hunting and gathering slash and burn agriculture, although sustainable for centuries, have become unsustainable because their ancestral land has been taken away from them. So yeah. we started the International Tiger Project, International Elephant Project, and the Forest for People to bring everybody under the umbrella of our conservation. Now, the broad strategic plan is to save eight ecosystems of the right type, shape and size of rainforest to take the animals, biodiversity, and people through this extinction crisis. Now, it has to be the right type, shape, and size, because you just can't save bits of forest and fragment the forest and send strips of forest. Otherwise, those forest ecosystems will uh, collapse. You have to have a large body of rainforest, and that's why we've only got 10 years to to do this. Um, So the rainforest becomes sustainable, because the rainforest creates its own rain and humidity, and it needs buffering from the edge effects from around the forest, which reduces biodiversity. Yeah. And so this is why we have to strategically um, lease and purchase the land. But our other action is not only to leave eight viable ecosystems, which is sustainable environmentally, but to leave these ecosystems viable economically. So work with the indigenous communities, develop new agricultural systems under the rainforest canopy. So they actually prosper. I'm not talking about a glorified level of poverty. I'm talking about them becoming affluent, you know, and we're already feeding the school children, um, high school and university diplomas. And so we want them to become affluent, you know, 
and powerful. Now, if we have indigenous communities that have sustainable agricultural systems, and because they're wealthy enough, now powerful enough, this is going to be the ultimate security. At the moment, they're uneducated and poor, and therefore their lands can be taken away from them easily. But the educated, wealthy uh, indigenous community that we hope to leave in these ecosystems will then be able to defend it. And that's a legacy we hope to pass on to future generations. And apart from education and tapping into uh, indigenous uh, communities' knowledge into the conservation of these ecosystems, what other tools and programs have you adopted at the Orangutan Project to help uh, move your vision for conservation forward, whether it's adopting new technologies, you know, uh, bringing in new programs, uh, forming a, more partnerships? Uh, could you take us through some of the mitigation measures and some of the programs and new mm -hmm. tools in your toolbox that you use to reduce these threats? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing we always do is we want to partner with everybody possible. Anybody who's doing good work in the area or has an idea or skill, we want to partner with them because that makes things extremely efficient. And, and not compete against anybody, bring everybody into a partnership for the security of that ecosystem. Secondly, we don't come in with a prescription. You know, we, what, if you come in and say the key is education or the key is rangers, you know, then you, you might be missing it. You know, what we do, we diagnose the disease that is affecting and killing that ecosystem and then prescribe it the right medicine in the right dosage to give the best outcome possible for the bang for our buck. Now, that can be a variety of things depending on the ecosystem. One is, is securing legal status of the land, protecting the land, and so the land becomes protected. Um, for example, it could be for what we do in some ecosystems, it's reintroduce orangutans to reestablish a population that went extinct, um, as one example. And then the other example I talked about was developing with the indigenous communities, new agricultural systems. Um, so they can actually prosper in, in, in a way that is actually going to be sustainable um, for them and their children. Thank you for that. That's really, really profound. And Leif, what role can we play at an individual level? Uh, to help in the mm -hmm. conservation of these species. You mentioned multinationals are uh, taking up, you know, um, the rainforest and growing, um, you know, we have palm oil production. Do we do we uh, boycott some of these products in the market? And, uh, you know, I'm talking here and representing African voices and we don't have orangutans in Africa, uh, but how can we help, you know, as mm -hmm. the wider society uh, to, to, to conserve these a beautiful species. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the first part of the answer is all good is good. <laughs> it's not a competition. So whether you're saving wildlife and in Africa or you're helping indigenous communities in South America or the work we're doing in Southeast Asia, it's all good. And we're all interconnected. The destruction of the rainforest and the destruction of environment is driving climate change and climate change is driving poverty and destruction of rainforest. It's all interlinked. And so all good is, is, is working together in, in, in unity. The second aspect I would say is as individuals, we're pretty useless. You know, we don't have much information and we don't have any power. Only way humans have ever achieved anything is by collectivizing together. So I will say to people, either do one or two things, collectivize your capital. I donate to an organization that's going to make the meaningful change you want in the world. 
doing it by yourself, you never achieve anything. Or collectivize your labor. Either volunteer or join an organization that's making a meaningful change you want. And through collectivization, we will make the meaningful changes that are needed. The people destroying the planet are smart, right? They collectivize their capital into companies and, and gain power and control. And, it, and we've been sold as pup, as it were. Doesn't make sense. They tell you go away, um, you know, don't think locally, but act locally. Worry about your carbon footprint. Worry about your consumer stuff. And that's disempowering. I'm not suggesting we don't do all those things to leave a life of integrity. But it basically means we're going off and playing silly buggers <laughs> while they have the <laughs> efficacy, that doesn't make sense, the freedom to destroy the planet for short-term change. So we must realize that that's never going to achieve the outcome and we must join together. And so the best quality we can have is working with others, you know, and accommodating others' needs and wants, doesn't make sense, and ambitions into our vision. And, and that way we're, we're liable to make real meaningful change in this most important decade in all of human history. Wow. Thank you so much for those insights, uh, Leif. And uh, let's switch on gears now and talk a bit about the books that you've written about the orangutans. Uh, we have the orangutans, my friends, um, you know, uh, and uh, uh, two other books or rather three. I'm not sure if you're writing another one right now. Maybe you can tell us, but what's that process like? What made you write these books? And uh, talk to us about your writing, uh, you know, part of, mm -hmm. you know, life and how, how that is unfolding. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is, is, you know, um, people care about what they know and we have this disconnect money and power and affluence are, tend to be concentrated in cities and conservation and animals and saving a planet is something that's more likely to occur in, in the wild, in the wilderness, in rainforest. Um, and so, my books are in part to connect people, you know, through my lived experience in the rainforest and with orangutans, to connect people to the beauty of nature, the beauty of these living beings, you know, and inspire them to, you know, um, to make meaningful change. And, you know, and more so in my last book, Finding My Humanity, Our Humanity, is to actually let people know that this is to work for the welfare of others you know, and work for a better planet is actually a way of making your life better, making you happier, you know, and more connected, you know, and, and more empowered. And so it's what, what I wanted to do by and large was um, not only help the, the ecosystems, the orangutans, biodiversity, and other indigenous communities, but all good has to help all people and all living beings. And so my books are in part my way of helping my donors and our supporters, yeah, um, to not only become part of the, you know, the cause that we're undertaking, but actually benefit from it and live more enriched and fulfilling lives through the love and compassion that, and, and selfless work for others. Great. And where can our listeners access some of these resources? Mm -hmm. Um. Either there's two websites, the orangutanproject.org or leifcox, L-E-I-F-C-O-C-K-S dot O-I-G. Um, and you, you can go through those and it lists the place where you can um, buy the books. Um, my cousins, my friends, 
and find our humanity. And also, if, if you're so inspired to join the team and, and, um, and contribute to um, the beautiful change that, that you may inspire to take in the world. Great. And Leif, after more than three decades of working with this species, and I'm sure you've interacted with it for a very long time, what's one positive or two even positive traits that you have picked from this species that many of us do not know or understand? Mm -hmm. Well, orangutans are the most mentally secure right, and mentally um, self-sufficient persons that share a planet far more than humans so as a human beings we obviously have lots of relationships to other human beings and they tend to be contractual to a certain extent you yeah. know they, they, there's some benefits and you know um and the relationships are broken if if, if those contractual benefits between the two human beings are, are not met but sure because orangutans are um so well nurtured and loved they become these very independent and confident and beautiful persons. So when you become friends with orangutan, they don't need anything from you. They're perfectly independent and fine, both emotionally and physically and behaviorally. So when you become friends with orangutans, it's often the, the most deepest connection that a human being can ever experience because it's without conditions. It's unconditional connection of two living beings which which is which is very often missing um in human society powerful powerful and as we near the completion of this chat uh Leif, how can our listeners support um the orangutan project conservation efforts mm -hmm. well please come to the orangutan project.org and um you can adopt an orangutan and um get updates to see the journey of orangutan from rescue to freedom to the world you can sponsor a patch of rainforest and watch it on google earth and watch it being protected every year through your efforts or you can make a general donation um, which helps support the multitude of work that we've described in this podcast and um and and therefore yeah make that meaningful change that that we need um so urgently in this decade Thank you, Leif. And as we celebrate World Orangutans Day uh, today, what is your parting shot to our listeners? Um, the, my, my pitch, I guess, is yeah, orangutans are beautiful and they, they're the most noble form of humanity that exists on the planet today. And they don't deserve to be butchered and killed and murdered and driven to extinction. And the destruction of their populations and the rainforest home is linked to survival of all humanity because we're not going to save this planet unless we rewild 25 to 30% of the planet, including these critical rainforests. We have to do the other things, such as mitigating our destruction of, of domestic animals due, due to the uh, methane um, production that's caused by that. We have to stop putting carbon into the atmosphere, but those two things alone will not do it. We also have to rewild our planet to stabilize the, the, the whole planet. So no good is wasted. It's all connected. And um, and through our love and
Wow, wow. There you have it, folks. Leif Cox, a world-renowned conservationist. Thank you so much uh, for making time to come to the podcast and sharing about your work. Great. Bye. A huge thank you for taking time to listen to this great conversation. Kindly be sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast listening app for free today. Follow us on social media to get updates on when fresh episodes are released. Yours truly, Diblex. Until next time, stay safe and stay blessed. Kwaheri.